Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and I have with me, as always, Jake Pavorsky and Josh Brown. And today we're going to preview the Midwest Regional for TBT 2018. The Midwest Regional, obviously, is taking place in Columbus, Ohio, July 20th, 21st, and 22nd. So we'll get right into it. Josh, how are things up in Boston today? They're going well, Dan. I, we were talking off camera, Red Sox doing big things, but that's not what we're here for. We're here for TBT. Can't wait. Uh, by the time you're listening to it, TBT will actually be underway. So uh, can't wait. Jake, how are things? You're out in Las Vegas for Summer League. I am in Las Vegas. I'm here checking on our guys playing in TBT. A lot of them are doing some great stuff out here. Jeff Ayers had a big game for the Los Angeles Lakers last night, putting up 17. So checking in with them, seeing how they're doing, and uh, looking forward to seeing how their talents here translate to the TBT court as well. Absolutely. Well, let's get right into it, guys. We have a big weekend of basketball in Columbus, Ohio. We're back in Columbus, Ohio this year, actually in there for the first time because of the Ohio State alumni team, Scarlet and Gray, which is the number one seed. So let's talk about some of the teams that they could potentially be facing. First up on Friday night at 6 p.m., live on the Watch ESPN app, ESPN3, is the 15-seed Peoria All-Stars against the 18-seed West Coast Ronin. This is the third year that West Coast Ronin is going to participate in TBT and the second year for Peoria All-Stars. Peoria All-Stars made their way into TBT last year via the Jamboree, which we held in uh, Philadelphia. So the Peoria All-Stars actually are one of the few teams in TBT this year, Josh, that have experience with the Elam ending, and they look like a very solid team. Uh, but not to be outdone, West Coast Ronan actually has a former lottery pick on their roster. Yeah, yeah, it is a crazy kind of Friday night matchup um, out there in Columbus. I think uh, I really like that Peoria All-Star team. Like you said, they they won in the Elam ending. They actually won two games with the Elam ending and advanced into the TBT uh, Midwest Regional in, P- in Peoria last year. Uh, a little bit of a different team than we saw last year. A couple of their more notable players aren't on the team, but they did replace them with um, Aldonis Foote, who played at Middle Tennessee. He's a very good player. Uh, Marvin Jordan was a good player at Niagara. So uh, it's kind of a new look Peoria all-star team. But I I think like you said, Dan, what could be maybe the deciding factor in that game is that they've won two games with the Elam ending. That's uh, I think going to be really big. I think we're going to see an upset or two in TBT from, you know, really good teams just because they might not be sure how to play it. And um, Peoria could could be one of those teams again, if they can advance out of that first game. West Coast Ronan, uh, Jake was a buy-in team and it looks like they've put together a roster that is designed, I think, to get some guys some exposure, but also to compete. I mean, they went out and signed um, a former lottery pick, as I just mentioned, when they went out and they got uh, the big guy there, Robert Swift. I mean, what are your thoughts on this team from uh, from the West Coast playing in Columbus? Yeah, GM Alan Kunin did a really good job of putting this team together. And this is a, obviously a TBT competitor in the past that you know wanted to make sure that they secured their spot in 2018 and decided to put up the money to buy in. And I'm very interested to see how Robert Swift does. He played in TBT last year on Team 23. Uh, didn't play a ton, but, you know, was helpful for them in the few minutes that he was able to get on the court. It seems like, you know, given the the lack of natural size on that team outside of him, he could be, you know, running the five for them uh, a lot more than he did on Team 23. So I think that that'll be good for him to, you know, get back out there. He did play in Spain this year on a smaller division team, but nevertheless, you know, this is a guy who's really tried to turn his life around over the past couple of years dedicate himself to basketball and you know again you know there's no better opportunity to do that than in tbt so he's gonna be really good for them uh dj fenner as well who played at the university of nevada as well as a really good team in hungary should provide some scoring for them in the backcourt as well as michael bryston from ucsb so i might give them the uh the nod here in this matchup but it should be good you know the competitiveness in this one and peoria all-stars having the the success with the elam ending and 
uh, the Jamboree last year. It should be a very good Friday night matchup for sure. Absolutely. And definitely a lot of storylines to follow there. And Robert Swift clearly uh, having overcome some rather serious uh, opioid addictions. Uh, it really ought to be an inspiration to a lot of people, certainly, um, who are watching that game. The second game that's going to take place uh, on Friday night is at 7.50 p.m. That features the 16-seeded West Virginia Wildcats against the 17 seed Charlotte Chess Center. Charlotte Chess Center is a buy-in team. Rebranded, they must have gotten a great offer from Charlotte to move from Las Vegas. They were the Las Vegas Chess Center last year, another Jamboree team from 2017. The West Virginia Wildcats are led by Ott Elmore, who was a walk-on sensation for Marshall this past year, but unfortunately Ott uh, suffered, I believe, an ankle injury and won't be playing himself. Uh, but this looks like a, a very good matchup as well. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on the West Virginia Wildcats versus the 17 seed Charlotte Chess Center? We talk about Robert Swift had a one lottery pick in that Friday game. Well, now you have two in Eddie Curry. That's an NBA champion right. right there playing on the Charlotte Chess Center. An incredible job by John Kukuru and I believe James Bayless, who was kind of who's playing on this team, who kind of did a lot of the player recruiting and was, you know, impactful in getting Eddie Curry on this team. Not sure what he has left in the tank, but you know, I imagine he wants to get back on the court and let people know that, you know, he can still play at a very high level and uh, that's going to be a tough guy to move down low. You know, it'd be interesting to see him, you know, running the Robert Swift one day and see how that matchup would go if they were ever able to face each other. But that's going to be a good one. And I look, you know, for as an X factor in this game, a guy who's probably not getting a lot of uh, being discussed that much is Pierre Henry from UNC Charlotte. This is a guy who's playing out here in Las Vegas with the Boston Celtics summer league team, uh, doing a really good job as well. And you know, this had Euro Cup experience playing last year. It was really, you know, getting himself on that NBA radar on the cusp and. A good run in CBT, you know, maybe lands him a, a two-way, a full-time deal. And if they're able to make it out of that Friday game, maybe a Puma deal as well. Well, that'd be fantastic to see that happen. A, a guy that played in the playing game, then leading into a Puma contract for 2018, 2019 in the NBA if he makes it. So that would really be fantastic. All right, so the winner of the 6 p.m. game, the 15-18, is going to play the two-seeded team for debt. The winner of the 16-17 matchup is going to play the one-seed Scarlet and Gray. We'll talk about both of those teams in just a few minutes. But let's move on now to Saturday morning. This is the earliest start that we'll ever have in a TPT game. It's the five-seeded Always a Brave, the Bradley alumni team, against the 12-seeded primetime players. Always a Brave now enters their third year in TPT. They were a semifinalist in 2016. Primetime players is now in their fourth year in TPT. Uh, they kind of peaked, actually, their first year in 2015 when they made the Super 16. Uh, primetime is based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. That area is a uh, essentially a minor league basketball sensation. And I know, Josh, I'm going to ask you about them in a second, but really have done an amazing thing over the last couple of decades, really, of Chris Thomas's leadership uh, playing in minor league circuits throughout the Mid-Atlantic area. Always a Brave uh, features really some of the best players in Bradley basketball's recent history, including Marcella Somerville and Walt Lemon, as well as Zach Andrews, who recently, most recently played for Team 23 and has now decided to join up with his alma mater, Bradley, to play in TBT. But Josh, you're a big fan and of this 5-12 matchup. And I think I've heard you say before that this could be one of the best games in TBT history. Yeah, it could be. I this is We need like an upset alert, like a horn that we can put on the podcast. Maybe one day we'll get that. But uh, I, I love primetime in this game. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm just a big primetime fan. I, I think they get the upset here. Like you said, primetime, seven-time minor league champions. They've won three in the Tobacco Road, Road League and, and four now in the ECBL, um, which is a pretty good minor league uh uh, league or minor league uh, thing. I don't know how to say. It. I can't even talk right now. But down in Charlotte, <laughs> I get so excited talking about prime time. I can't even talk. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, we saw him last year. They beat that Middle Tennessee team. Dewan Harris led the effort last year. He's a little point guard who played for UNC Charlotte. He's a personal trainer. Um, when he's not overseas. And uh, they added a big addition this year in Javon Presley, who played on that Hampton team, who I I forget exactly the year Jake might know, but they played Kentucky really tough in the NCAA tournament. Uh, He was on that team on Hampton, and and they almost, again, got an upset against, I believe Kentucky might have been the the number one overall seed in the tournament. And then they, you know, return their usual cast of characters, whether it be Brian Mobley, who's been with them for a while, Sean Barnett, who plays overseas, high level overseas. And uh, I think he's won a couple of MVP awards in the leagues he has played in. Curtis Withers is a new addition for them. Uh, he played at UNC Charlotte. He's a big man, can kind of, um, kind of one of those guys who likes to pound down low. He's a very kind of physical type of player. So primetime, they play together all year, the majority of them. They win championships. And uh, the thing about them is even if if I'm wrong, even if they lose this game, you know it's going to be a tight game. Primetime has never been blown out at a, in a game. They lost to Ram Nation by, I believe it was like 10 last year, but that was just kind of free throws late in the game, which we won't have now with the Elam ending. So um, I, I think Primetime's going to win the game, and if they don't, it's going to be a 5 to an 8-point game at most. Jake, always a brave. This might be the best roster that the Bradley alumni team has brought into TBT, besides Marcellus Somerville, who really has had just an incredible career, primarily in France overseas. Uh, they also bring in some really high-level talent, including Walt Lemon, who had a cup of coffee with the Pelicans this year. Walt Lemon is still with the Pelicans, playing in Summer League, and has looked really good. Has given him a lot of energy off the bench, uh, playing some strong minutes, shooting the ball well. He's one of TBT's best players every year, and I think the people are sleeping on Bradley a little bit, Dan. You know, you talk about this being their best roster. It certainly could be. Anytime you have Lemon, you have Marcel Somerville, who spurned an offer from the Golden Eagles to stick with this Bradley team once they decided they won back in, in TBT, as well as Daniel Ruffin, Patrick O'Brien, you know, number seven overall pick in, in the NBA draft not too long ago. And you look at some of their new additions. You have Dante Thomas, who just graduated from Bradley, put up 11-7 and seven a game this season. Uh, shot over 58% from the field, is going to be a strong force for them uh, down low and maybe some smaller ball-type lineups. And another guy to look for who, you know, may not be as much on the radar as these other guys is Jimmy Gavin, who lists his alma mater as Winthrop, but did play at Bradley his first year, transferred out, went to Winthrop. He he scored 1.3 points per game during the 2012 season of Bradley and went to Winthrop and then put up 18.7 points a game, shot seven threes a game uh, and converted three of them. So 41% from three. He's going to be a sharpshooter for them, running off screens, kind of giving them a little bit of a different dynamic than we're used to from them in previous years. A lot of their guards are more so ball handlers creating for themselves. This is the kind of guy who's going to be a a knockdown spot of shooting threat for them, giving them an added dimension that could make them a very difficult out in CBT this year. Totally agree. I think this is a great Bradley team. I'm very excited, although I'm disappointed that the game is going to be that early in the morning. Again, it's at 8, 10 a.m. on the Watch ESPN app and on ESPN3. Uh, but this team is loaded. And I know Bobby Parker is very high on bringing in Jimmy Gavin. I think that's a shooter that they really needed on the outside. They've just got so many guys in this team that can play. Tony Bennett is a guy we didn't even mention. He's absolutely Mr. Clutch in TBT. So that's going to be a really awesome game to start the day off early uh, in in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And Dan, I should mention that uh, J.J. Tawai, who's a shooting guard on the Bradley team, also a new addition, is actually a police officer in Springfield and when he was at Bradley, he was more the the energy guy, the glue guy who kind of came in, played hard, laid out for loose balls, played tough defense. I think he averaged only maybe two or three points for his career, but uh, they really valued what he could do. And there was an article in the, the Springfield Ledger uh, a couple months back where uh, you know JJ 
detailed his his uh, open invitation from the Bradley team to come join them, and it appears that he's uh, he's taking off the police officer uniform and uh, donning a uh, Bradley uniform uh, this summer for TBT. So another very cool storyline and uh, and you know an underrated one on that team as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm so looking forward to seeing those two teams play. All right, let's go on to the next game. It's going to be at 10 a.m. This is the Big X team against that's the number four seed against the number 13 seeded Chattanooga Trenches. A little bit of a new look for Chattanooga Trenches, although Trey Suttles is still the guy in charge of that team and really the focal point of a lot of that offense. Uh, Big X is a team brought together by Andrew Dockich and really is one of the most compelling storylines, I think, of TBT 2018. He's done a great job of bringing together a lot of Big Ten alumni, including players from both Michigan and Ohio State. So clearly that will be a uh, lightning rod type team there in Columbus, Ohio. So the Big X team, Josh, really looks like a compelling storyline. A couple of question marks on that team are, I think, first, whether or not Duncan Robinson is going to be able to play. Uh, He has an offer on the table for a two-way contract. And although we've had a couple of two-way guys play in TBT before, it's unknown what he is going to do. And then the other one, unfortunately, looks like it was a a broken finger for Jay Sean Tate from Ohio State. So it looks like he may not be a go. I understand he underwent surgery uh, the week before TBT. So we'll see whether or not he's able to play. But even excluding those guys, you've got some great names on here, including Stuart Douglas from the University of Michigan. You've got John Horford, uh, brother of Al Horford, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yep. uh, from Michigan, as well as you've got, obviously, Andrew Dockett, who both played at Ohio State and at Michigan, one of the few guys, I think, in history to have ever done that. Vito Brown from Wisconsin. Josh, your thoughts on this Big X versus Chattanooga Trenches uh, matchup? Yeah, I was a little bit uh, surprised with Chattanooga. They did, like you said, quite the roster overhaul. A couple of the guys playing with other teams, but um, they played overseas elite really tough with the roster they had last year. I mean, it was a two-point game at halftime. Uh, Chattanooga, I think, was up by eight or ten early on in that game. So um, a little bit surprised with the shakeup that they did. But uh, like you said, Trey Suttles is kind of the focal point of that team team uh David Cawthorn I thought he did a great job coaching that team last year um he kind of had the guys organized um he was you know drawing up plays on the sideline very engaged in the game so uh Chattanooga's you know especially like you said with a couple of question marks with Big X could be um that could be an upset alert type of game as well but like you said Big X is just a great storyline you mentioned a couple of the big names there I'm really looking forward to seeing the Clemson duo as well Gabe DeVoe and Mark uh, Donnell I believe is how you pronounce it um so, yeah, it's going to be a really good matchup. Um, Big X, I, I know, is clamoring to win. They want to get to Scarlet and Gray eventually. That would happen in Atlanta for the Super 16. Obviously, kind of a little bit of a rivalry forming between uh, Andrew Dockich and Scooney Penn. Scooney Penn, uh, not as high on Big X as you can imagine, as uh, I'm sure that both um, – you know, both Dan Dockage and Andrew Dockage are. So that would be a great matchup if it does end up happening, but I'm certainly not counting out Chattanooga in that matchup. Uh, Jake, what do you think about this one? Uh, I, like you said, I think the Big X is one of the, the core teams, core storylines in TBT and should be a model for all, you know, NCAA uh, programs and conferences going forward, trying to get together an all-star team like Andrew Dockage and, and GMJ Shunar were able to do. Four guys on this Big X team on summer league rosters this summer. You got Gabe DeVoe with Charlotte, Nana Egwu is playing with Detroit. Jay Sean Tate was with the Bucks, And Duncan Robinson obviously just earned himself a two-way with the Miami Heat. I know Duncan may not be playing, but Deontay Burton of the Hilton Magic Legends, who we'll get to later, is playing. So maybe, you know, Duncan looks across the aisle and sees that he's still giving it a go and decides he wants to suit up with the boys. So obviously if you don't have him and you, have, you don't have Jay Sean Tate, 
that kind of changes the complexion of that team a little bit. Still a lot of talent, but, you know, you look when you look at the roster, those are the two real standout players that, you know, guys will have to carry the load for them. Gabe DeBoe, certainly a guy who can step up for them. Uh, Cam Williams, the, the onus on scoring might have to fall on him a little bit more than he's used to, but not something that he can't handle. And you have Stu Douglas, uh, long rumored to be playing in TBT, finally shooting up this summer, uh, played in Israel this past year, I believe for the past couple years. Uh, excited to see what he can do in his TBT debut. Should be a fun matchup. Would definitely love to see them get to Atlanta so they can take on the Ohio State team. And uh, I'm sure Dockage would love to go up against Aaron Kraft. If, if anyone's ever seen that Spider-Man meme where it's one Spider-Man looking at the other one, I think that's kind of what the dynamic between Andrew Dockage and Aaron Kraft. A lot of, lot of similarities in this, from, between those guys in terms of playing styles and uh, you know, kind of like looking in the mirror between those two. So I would love to see them, those guys get a chance to play each other at some point down the road in TBT. Well, it'll definitely be exciting to see uh, no matter what they do. I, I, I really don't feel like they have an easy game, though, uh, coming through this weekend. It's going to be tough against Chattanooga, certainly in that first round. The next game on Saturday, the 21st, is going to actually be on ESPN. So this is the first time that we've had a regional round game that will appear in the main network on ESPN. This will be the 12 noon game, Eastern time. It's going to be Team for Debt against the winner of the 15-18 matchup, Peoria All-Stars, against West Coast Ronan. Team Fredette is loaded. And I think, obviously, the headline here is that Jimmer Fredette is playing. Um, he's looking at an opportunity to you know, get, get back in American soil. I don't think his, his primary focus is necessarily getting back in the NBA because he's having a great time in China and really doing some awesome things over there on a lot of different fronts. But nevertheless, seeing him play back on ESPN is going to be a real treat for everybody. Um, this team for that looks loaded. It sounds like they've added Brandon Davies, which will be a huge addition for their team, literally and figuratively, especially off the season that he's coming off of. But overall, uh, team for that looks great. Unknown whether they'll have Xavier Silas. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with him. But nevertheless, Josh, really a, a great team here in Team Fredette. Yeah, they're a good team. I mean, we keep it real in the streets here on the TBT podcast. So I, I, if we want to keep it real, I thought Seth Greenberg, when he was doing the preview, I thought he he hit the nail on the head. They, there's a lot of potential on uh, with this team. But I'll be interested to see, can Jimmer adapt to playing? You know, it, it's great to, you know, play really well in China. It's, it's a tough league and, um, you know, you know, very good for Jimmer Fredette for doing what he's doing over there. But when he's playing against guys who um, are, are used to grinding in leagues overseas where you don't get paid if you don't perform and they're playing for, you know, this is their one opportunity to really make an impact. Is he going to be able to you know play at a high level against those guys? I think it's a fair question. Um, I, I think the, the, you know, I don't want to say the talent level, but the, the way that you know, the game is played in TBT is a lot different than the way it's played in China, where most of it's guaranteed money. People are making a lot of money over there. So I'll be interested to see, can he adapt to this style of play? They, um, you know, they should on, in you know, theory, be the favorite to win their first round game, but as they progress deeper into the tournament. So uh, that's kind of what I'll be watching, but yeah, very good team. Even aside from J- uh, Jimmer, Derek Cook Jr. has a really good story. Um, he, he's kind of had to overcome, unfortunately, a lot of adversity with his life. We have a story on uh, the site actually about that. If you want to check out more of that, Jordan Crawford from Bowling Green's a big name. Um, obviously, Xavier Silas, who played with the Celtics a little bit, would be a big addition for them. But um, in terms of Jimmer, I'm very interested to see how he performs against this type of talent playing this kind of style of ball. Jake, is there any reason to think that he's not going to just light it up for 40 a game? I mean, what, what yes. am I missing? What? Yeah. What, is, what is it, Jake? What's the argument against it? I, I, there, I don't have one. I wasn't planning to present one, so I'm probably <laughs> the wrong guy to be to talking to as the, you know, the anti-Jimmer take, so I apologize for that. Listen, that's a really solid team. 
there's not a ton that needs to be said about them other than the fact that it's going to be the Jimmer show and a lot of the stuff that we saw at BYU and a lot of the stuff that he's doing overseas in China that the people in the United States that love and know him haven't been able to see, you know, we're going to see on a national stage once again on ESPN. So it's going to be a fantastic opportunity for some, some BYU basketball nostalgia. Some Jimmer Fredette, Brandon Davies pick and rolls should be a lot of fun. You know, Brandon Davies played on the team for that last year. He's a really solid low-post big man. Played in the EuroLeague, won a cup in Lithuania this year. He's at the peak of his career, uh, you know, doing a really good job of, of, of keeping himself out there and, you know, could be in line for an NBA return very shortly. The one guy outside of Jimmer uh, that I look at in sort of a, a similar place, uh, at least from, you know, in terms of three-point range and three-point shooting, is Jeff Ledbetter. I've seen him out here with the uh, San Antonio Spurs, Las Vegas Summer League team, and that man is an absolute sharpshooter. Just unbelievable numbers from three. Uh, it shot the ball extremely well for them, and, uh, you know, not the biggest name. This is a, a guy who walking down the street you would not think is a basketball player. He's got long blonde hair that he puts up in a, in a man bun during games. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's built like your average Joe, but this guy can really hoop. Spent the last three seasons in Mexico lighting up that league, shooting, you know, close to 10 threes a game. He's going to provide a lot of, you know, him and Jimmer playing in the backcourt together if they decide to, to go with that one-two pairing. It's going to be tough for any team to keep up with. If, if Jake's right and that be, and this becomes a Jimmer Fredette show, Team Fredette gets gets smoked in their second-round game. I, I think Jackson, Tennessee beats Zucrew. If that happens, Jackson, Tennessee eats them for lunch in that second-round game. I don't know. I mean, I just I – just, what I saw with Jimmer in the NBA was a guy that just wasn't given the opportunity to run the show, and he can still shoot. He can still – There's a reason it. for that. No, I mean, because, well, I mean, I think the argument maybe in the NBA was defense, but even that, I don't know that that's hasn't improved. So I think this is going to be an awesome team. I'm really excited to see those guys play with or without uh, Xavier Silas. I think the team is going to be excellent. I, I love the addition of Brandon Davies, and I think this is going to be a great game for everyone to watch. Noon Eastern time on ESPN, the main network. All right, let's go on to the 8-9 matchup. This is going to be a really intriguing game. I think Cincinnati actually over the last – couple of days and weeks has done a great job of improving that roster and replacing a couple of parts. But the Bearcat Jam is the 8C. This is a first-time TBT entrant, a Cincinnati alumni team led by the great Melvin Levitt against the nine-seed Matadors, the Texas Tech alumni team. Uh, I think this is going to be a great game. This one's at 2 p.m. again on ESPN, so a lot here for people to digest and to look at uh, on the main network. But this team, uh, Cincinnati, has done a great job. There's a couple of great boosters, uh, including Amy Mills, who has done a really fantastic job of helping to uh, really build out this roster into one that I think is going to do a great job of competing. I just heard this morning that they're going to add another player uh, to the roster. Um, Give me a second. I'll tell you exactly who it is. They're going to add Justin Jackson to the roster to go along with Yancey Gates, uh, TPT, bad boy, uh, Yancey Gates. So this will be a really great matchup, uh, Josh. I think this 8-9 one really has the potential to be some really great television viewing. Yeah, Melvin Levitt has legitimately become one of my favorite people in all associated with TBT. Really just kind of an electric guy, and I just love the passion he has for TBT. He's always tweeting about it, always making videos, making moves, and obviously he he was a very good player in college at Cincinnati, so I'm really looking forward to uh, finally meeting Melvin and, and really seeing the rest of the team. Like you said, a couple of big additions, Yancey Gates, um, you know, a couple others, like you said, on the horizon. I think the Matador team is being a little bit underlooked heading into TBT. I mean, they do have two guys who played on that team this year who went to the Elite Eight. Um, and I don't think they're getting quite enough 
respect that they maybe should be getting in the Midwest region, especially, you know, you talk about another team who played overseas elite really tough. They let them by 10 in the first half. It kind of slipped away late, but you add these, you know, a couple of pieces here and there, and all of a sudden uh, the Matadors really could be, you know, a four or five seed in the Midwest uh, with the talent they have. And, and I think it's going to be a really good matchup. Um, you wonder with Bearcat Jam, they are a little bit older of a team. Um, you know, you wonder if they'll catch up with them kind of having to run up and down the court with these kind of, again, a younger kind of Matador team. But um, I don't know. I, I really believe in Melvin Levitt. I think he's going to have this team ready. Um, so I think uh, we talked about the prime time matchup maybe being one of the best one the primetime always a brave one this could be another one that ends up being one of the best uh first round matchups that we've ever seen jake what do you think about this texas tech team i mean did these young guys make that big of a difference against cincinnati nine stevenson and justin gray were both uh very important contributors on that texas team tech uh elite eight team they're not necessarily big time scorers but they're guys that know the roles can get buckets when you need them to be um and, and they play, you know, second, third fiddle, fourth fiddle sometimes when they were on the floor. Uh, so maybe we're seeing a little bit more from them on the TBT floor uh, than we would typically see from them in a Texas Tech game, you know, potentially alluding to some part of their games that, you know, may not have been tapped into uh, during their time as an official Red Raider. When I look at this, this Texas Tech team, and there are a lot of great scorers on this team, John Robertson, Ronald Ross, some, you know, Texas Tech's all-time great guards. They've got one guy that's over uh, 6'8 in Terrell Parks. That's, that's yeah. the closest thing they have to a true center. Um, so, you know, when you look at that team and then you compare them to Bearcat Jammin, you know, we talk about Yancey Gates, who, you know, they call fives a big. Like, he is a, like a big, 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 big. Like, I, I saw him playing last year out in Las Vegas. I believe he was on uh, – Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. It was the, um, the Juan Bernal team, correct? Yeah, Pedro um, Yes, he was on Pedro's posse, and that man is is incredibly large. Like that is going to be a tough guy for someone who's you know maybe six nine to move off the block. You, you mix in there Justin Jackson, who can play above the rim, uh, shot blocker as well. Uh, you know you have Anthony McLean, who's seven foot one, maybe a little older, but nevertheless they're going to pound these guys inside with size. Jeffrey Robinson, who played at Xavier, a little crosstown rivalry there, coming over to the Cincinnati side. He's six foot ten, and then you sprinkle in you know Cashmere Wright, school's all time steals leader. Deontay Vaughn, 1,000 points. John Williamson, uh, another Cincinnati legend. Uh, they've set a very strong foundation for this Cincinnati team. I see that should definitely make some noise this year. And, uh, if, you know, if they were to return next year, like we'd expect them to, it could be even better. So uh, very impressed to see what Melvin Levitt and uh, Amy Mills have done to put together this team and look forward to seeing them out on the floor. All right, so that will be the 8-9 matchup, 2 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN on the main network. The next game that uh, afternoon on July 21st on Saturday is the number one seeded Scarlet and Gray against the winner of the 16-17 matchup between the West Virginia Wildcats and the Charlotte Chess Center. The Scarlet and Gray team was one of the semifinalists last year, regional champion for the Midwest. They returned essentially the same core from last year's team and I think even a little bit better uh, overall. Um, obviously, the, the the biggest piece for them to get back, I think, was probably Jared Sollinger, and it's good to hear that he'll be playing at least as far as the regional rounds for them. Uh, but, Jake, this looks like a really good team again from Scarlet and Gray. Continue to impress me with that team every single year. And, you know, I love what Scooney Penn has done and really, you know, pushed to to bring this team together and have them playing at a high level. And you know, what, I, what I really appreciate from that team is the dedication level. You have Aaron Kraft, who – Obviously, he's an Ohio State legend. You think of Ohio State basketball, Aaron Kraft is probably one of the, the two or three names that first come to mind. Uh, you know, he played a very long season over in France, won a title there. Their season ended 
I want to say maybe two and a half weeks ago. He was turning around and playing in TBT, you know, in another two weeks. It, it's guy. These guys only have, you know, so many weeks during the summer to play. And especially when you're playing at a high level and you're overseas and those seasons are for so long. But the fact that they want to spend, you know, maybe the three or four weekends that they have during the summer playing in TBT shows you how much they care about TBT, shows you how much they, uh, they care about Ohio State as well. Uh, so I'm excited to see him, Jared Sullinger as well. Greg Oden, if he's able to get on the court, you know, past this weekend's game in Atlanta. And I know looking ahead, obviously, Jared Sullinger does have that wedding conflict, which, you know, is very understandable. And, you know, I can't blame him for potentially missing a game for getting married. But, you know, they'll need Greg Oden to step up in some capacity with Jared out of the fold, you know, looking down the road. But it's a very impressive team. You bring in Taylor Battle from Penn State, who just retired from international competition. But nevertheless, we still know what he's capable of. Did a really good job on that armored athlete team. Uh, excited to see him join forces with with uh, the Scarlet and Gray team. And, you know, John Diebler, an excellent shooter. Uh, you know, Scooney has built, you know, what could be uh, a dynasty with, with the Scarlet and Gray team. And, you know, again, one of the, the early Vegas favorites to, to win a TBT title in 2018. Uh, Josh, one of the interesting things about this Ohio State team is that it's a group of guys that naturally come together anyway every summer. It's not like they're just coming together just for TBT. Is that they're all basically hanging out in Columbus all summer anyway, and playing pickup ball. And I think they're kind of thinking, why not actually, you know, put on a, put on a uniform again and and try to win some money. This is this is a team that that I was really impressed with last summer in terms of how well they all seem to get along. They were devastated when they lost that game, and I think that shows a lot about how much they care. Yeah, definitely. I didn't know how big that kind of Columbus, you know, summer basketball community was. Not only um, the guys on this team, but LD Williams from Wake the Nation plays with them all summer long. Really anyone in that area. Um, they all kind of congregate at Ohio State. But yeah, definitely a family type atmosphere. We didn't even talk about Evan Turner, who does a great job along with uh, Scooney Penn. Kind of more of a morale guy uh, on that team. Um, kind of keeps the guys kind of loose. They got stuck on the elevator. He kept them all calmed down last year, um, which I, I know that was a – some of them weren't happy, but Evan kind of calmed them down. Uh, so that, he, he's a great addition for that team. But, yeah, uh, like you said, it's a family-type atmosphere. Um, really looking forward to Taylor Battle. I mean, um, Dan, you know I have a soft uh, spot for anyone who played on that Slam Magazine team a couple of years ago. <laughs> and then you had Jared Sullinger who played for the Celtics. So I'm normally not an Ohio State guy, but when you, you put those two factors together, I, I love this team. I think it's a great uh, core of guys. And like you said, they're together constantly. If you follow any of them on, on Instagram or Snapchat or anything, they're literally always posting stuff together. They spend all summer long they were on like a boat last weekend they're they're you know playing basketball they're going to restaurants together so um I, Dan you said it perfectly it's a family type atmosphere I don't know if I'll call them a dynasty yet you got to win one before you start the dynasty talk but they're certainly a very good team yeah they've got to be I think a favorite probably to get through Columbus but we'll see I mean that second round matchup against either the eight seed or the nine seed Cincinnati or uh Texas Tech is gonna be a tough one but we'll see I mean I think the team is really good and as you said, Scooney has done a great job of, of pulling these guys together. All right. So the 6 p.m. game, again, we go back to watch ESPN, ESPN3. This is going to be the 7-10 matchup between the 7th-seeded Zoo Crew, which is primarily a Pitt alumni team, against the 10th-seeded Jackson Underdogs. This Zoo Crew team, in some form or another, has been in TBT the last three years. Jackson, Tennessee has also been in for the last three years. Uh, Zoo Crew goes from the Northeast region, the previous two, to the Midwest. Um, the Jackson, Tennessee underdogs really are the epitome of that name, the underdogs. There's not a lot of what you would call uh, you know, high-end European pros 
playing on this team, but they've played together all the time in money tournaments all throughout the South. The Zoo Crew features a lot of names that will mean a lot, including LeVance Fields and Gilbert Brown, as well as others from the Pitt uh, program over the last 10 years or so. I think this Pitt team, uh, Josh, seems to be more put together than it has been in past years. I just was texting with Aaron Minkoff, the GM, this morning, and he mentioned that they're getting together for training camp in Pittsburgh on campus uh, next week, the week, uh, sorry, the week leading up to the Midwest Regional. Um, that being said, the Jackson, Tennessee underdogs really are one of your favorite teams, I think, in TPT. Am I right? Yeah, they are. I, I love this team. And what I thought was so interesting was, so year one, year one for them, they beat Kentucky. Obviously, that was a big win. Uh, and then they lose to always a brave on a last second shot. Last year in the first round, they lose on a tap in at the buzzer. So A, you know they're going to play tough. But B, um, just talking to a couple of guys on the team, and especially talking to Darius DeBerry, who um, I- I've kind of uh, developed a little bit of a friendship with over the years. Um, they actually thought that last year, they kind of got away from what makes them such a good team. I mean, last year they had Willie Kemp and they had Jarvis Vernado on the team. And it was kind of they were last year trying to build on the team they had by adding like you said they had some of those higher end European pros and guys who played high levels overseas and uh you know Darius told me frankly we don't need that we play well as a core even though a lot of their guys are not um overseas professionals right now they like the team they have without them they don't think they need to bring on guys who don't normally play with them all year long so they're going to go back to for the most part, that team who beat Kentucky a couple of years ago. And uh, I don't see a reason why not to, whether it be Michael Ward, who's I think one of the best defensive players that I remember seeing in TVT, um, Anthony Sampson, who checks in at five foot four, and that might be overstating it a little bit. Um, but he's a floor general out there. He likes to kind of describe himself as he might be the shortest player on the floor, but he's certainly the toughest player on the floor, which I don't think he's really exaggerating by saying that at all. And then the two long brothers, Antoine and Jawan, who are really kind of the heart beat of that team both on the offensive and the defensive end uh Jawan was obviously kind of a legend at Murray State one of the best players that have that has ever played there so I'm really looking forward to seeing Jackson playing um Levance Fields is gonna obviously give him a, some problems he uh doesn't play overseas anymore but he still uh, as we saw last year can can drop buckets whenever he wants to so it'll be a really good matchup but um Again, I really, really looking forward to seeing Jackson back in action. Jake, this pit team um, features a couple of names that don't necessarily uh, fit in with a pit, <laughs> the pit program. Jesse Morgan from Temple uh, being one of them, Ricky Harris from UMass being another. Uh, that being said, you do have a couple of guys here that seem to always play well uh, in TBT, including LeVance Fields, uh, Jermaine Dixon, and others. But what are your thoughts on this matchup? It, again, it's another matchup of size. You have the Jackson, Tennessee team that may be getting back to the roots a little bit, but. Uh, very undersized. Their tallest player is six seven. Where you look at the Zoo Crew lineup, you go up and down. Gary McGee, a great Pittsburgh player, six eleven. Marcus Cousin, who played in the league for a little bit, uh, alma mater, Houston, six eleven. Tyrell Big, six eight. No, so that is a, a team with some massive size that you know at the very least could just overpower them with the two guys in the low block. And Levance will get his buckets. Jesse Morgan is a really solid combo guard from Temple, uh, who had some good run with them last year. Ricky Harris always seems to be a staple on these these Pitt alumni teams is a uh, an honorary Pitt Panther. Uh, you know, I think that it's going to be a tough matchup for Jackson. They're going to have to scrap and crawl uh, and claw for for every bucket, every loose ball. Uh, you know, and play hard for you know all thirty six minutes. And I think that's something they're capable of, and you know, could give them the edge. But it's an uphill battle. Uh, you know, trying to defend those guys in the low block. 
Well, either way, it's going to be a great game between the seven ten. You know, it could be. I don't even know that it would be a, a huge upset if the ten beat the seven here, but we'll see. It's going to be a very, very competitive game as always when Jackson, Tennessee plays the seven fifty game. This the six eleven matchup between the Fort Wayne champs, the number six seed and the eleven seed. The region. The region was a buy in team. This is their third time in TBT. The Fort Wayne champs uh, are. It's actually their fourth time in. Uh, previously having played under their name, Ants Alumni. The Fort Wayne Champs really look like a great team. They've got guys with NBA experience. Uh, the region is having a little bit of roster issues, so we'll have to see exactly what their final roster looks like. Uh, but that being said, the Fort Wayne Champs, uh, Jake, really look like a team that has a couple of guys that have some NBA experience, a couple more that they could have some NBA experience by the time the 2019 season is over. For sure. Again, these are two guys that, you know, they have players on their team that were in the NBA this past year uh, alone. You have Trey McKinney-Jones, who I believe is here with the Spurs. Uh, Summer League team has been a really solid player for them. Wouldn't surprise me if at some point he gets an NBA contract uh, and, and stays for good. Just an all-around solid guard, and I respect the fact that he continues to want to play in TBT to give himself some good summer run and, and to booster, uh, excuse me, bolster his resume. Travis Leslie is another guy who's playing out here, I believe, with the Indiana Pacers. That's a great you know, scoring one-two punch there. Two guys that can really handle the load. Travis also has some NBA experience being drafted by the Clippers. Uh, you bring in some new bodies as well. Corey Henderson Jr., who played at Tulsa, actually a client of Garrett Marks, who just started uh, an NBA agency with uh, another Omaha-based uh, agent. I watched Corey Henderson up close a couple times as a manager at Temple. Tulsa is also in the American Athletic Conference. I went down to Tulsa for a road trip with Temple, and uh, I watched Corey Henderson light us up. So I know what he's capable of as a scorer. It's a really solid team. Garrett does an excellent job of, of grabbing guys to play on this team. Every single year, I'm excited to see how that how they come together and uh, if they can continue to make a big run in CBT like they have in years past. Definitely, the region is dealing with a couple of injuries. We'll have to see, you know, how those shake out. DeAndre Thomas, uh, the big guy, being one of them. Mike McCluzak, a shooter, uh, being another. That being said, they do have two of the two players who have always performed well in TBT, including TBT five-timer Malcolm Griffin, used to play on the Illinois Hoopville Warriors, and Stefan Hanna, who really is, I think, one of the most underrated guards, uh, Josh, that we've had in TBT. So this could be a really great matchup between these two teams as well. Yeah, you're kind of surprised to see Steph. You know, he, he played with the region two years ago. Then he goes to play with Purple and Black. Uh, then he comes back to the region. So uh, I know they're happy to get him back. He kind of lit them up, uh, or he lit it up with the region uh, two years ago, and then obviously played very well uh, for Purple and Black. So, um, you know, even if they don't, quite have a couple of those guys that you mentioned um they're a very good team Corey Moore has them playing hard they play kind of an up and down style of basketball and they're they're a tough team it, it, which is kind of a, the biggest takeaway I've had from them um they, they they get rebounds they fight for loose balls and um you know I, I kind of like what they've been doing with the roster a little bit even though like you said a couple of them could be up in the air so um Again, I think Fort Wayne um, is certainly going to play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after originally getting, uh, you know, as they think snubbed, and then with Team Rondo having to bow out, they come in. So I, they're going to play with a little bit of a chip. They have a younger team, um, which I know is something that they really put an emphasis on when putting this team together. So, um, again, one of those other really good matchups that I don't think really is going to uh, surprise anyone no matter how it goes. Absolutely. The seven, that's the 750 game again on the Watch ESPN app and on ESPN3. The last game of the night there from Columbus, Ohio will be the 940 p.m. matchup. It's a late game. The number three-seeded Hilton Magic Legends and an Iowa State alumni team against the 14-seeded Illinois BC. Hilton Magic now enters their second TBT tournament. And Illinois BC is the first-timer with some familiar names, including Rico Hill 
as the coach for Illinois BC, former power forward for Illinois Hoopville, Leg- uh, Hoopville Warriors, which I think is going to be a great thing to see him on the sideline. Really a great leader. But this uh, Hilton Magic Legend team, uh, I think, you know, probably two of the biggest storylines for this team are, are Royce White uh, making an American reintroduction uh, to American basketball. He's been playing up in Canada the last couple of years. My understanding is that he's just as dominant up there as you would imagine a guy with his skill set can be. And Deontay Burton, who recently signed a two-way contract. I'm not sure which team with uh, Jake, but I'm sure you can remind me of that in a second. Um, but Deontay Burton says he's going to play, even though he's got this two-way deal. So that could really make or break the success of this Iowa State team. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on this matchup between the three and the four here, Iowa State against Illinois, BC? Yeah, Deontay Burton's out here with the Oklahoma City Thunder and impressed them well enough in the first couple of games to be given a two-way. I watched him yesterday. He's got a quirky game, and I liked him a lot at Iowa State. This is a, a bulky foreman who's a little bit undersized, 6'5", but has some creation skills, uh, can really shoot the ball, actually, in the mid-range, can pass the ball. He's got some point-forward stuff to him. Uh, it, it's a very impressive, unique skill set, one that would stand out well on a TBT floor. And if he says he's playing in, in TBT, it, it's great. You know, that opens the door for a lot of other guys that are you know on two-way contracts, could potentially be on two-way contracts. You know, to, to play in TBT, and I'm sure Deontay, you know, knows he has the NBA deal, sees the potential to become a fully endorsed Puma athlete, and, uh, you know, wants to grab that opportunity by the reins. So Deontay falls in the footsteps of, of Jamil Wilson, who played on a two-way last year. And, you know, hopefully other guys can follow suit. You know, maybe Duncan Robinson decides to suit up as well. But, you know, comparing Deontay Burton's skill set to Royce White, two very similar guys. Royce White is, is a point forward, was a, a standout at Iowa State. Obviously things didn't work out. In his first run in the NBA, hopefully he gets another opportunity. I know he's negotiating a deal to play with an Italian team next year. Maybe things change after he, he plays in TBT and shows people what he's capable of. Uh, you know, this is a guy who can score the ball, can rebound, can push it off re- off boards and get out in transition and pass the ball extremely well. Wouldn't surprise me if he had close to TBT's first ever triple-double. You know, 10 boards, 10 points, 10 assists. He's one of those types of guys. And, He's been talking a lot on Twitter about being the best player in TBT. Um, I'm starting to see him get out there and back that up. Yeah, I mean, uh, inevitably talk falls by the wayside once you get matched up against overseas elite at some point. But we'll see what happens because I think that uh, Royce White brings a skill set that is probably unlike what most have been able to bring to TBT. Um, Almost literally can play all five positions on a TBT court. So that's going to be a fantastic matchup. That's the last game of the night. That'll be at 9.40 p.m. And that will close out the first day. The coverage continues. Wait, Dan, Dan, Dan. Yeah. You know, us making this point, I think people are overlooking Illinois BC. They're they're a very good team. Um, I I tweeted about them actually the other day. They have kind of what I think is a big three that's going to kind of lead them and then go from there. Marcus Lewis, um, who played at, I believe it was uh, Portland, and then Oral Roberts. I think it was Oral Roberts. Eastern Um, Kentucky. Or is he – yeah, he's Eastern Kentucky. Kentucky. He he's won the, the, sl- contest, he's the college right? slam dunk contest. Yeah, right. Yeah. He, right, right. Uh, Jordan Price, who I, I'm sure Jake knows from his days at LaSalle, was a very good player for them as well. And then Isaiah Johnson, he was the MAC Six Man of the Year in 2016. He was a MAC Player of the Year in 2017. Two time All First Team MAC selection. I think this Illinois BC team has a lot of talent. And I, I, again, I think another team where just because we have so many teams in that Midwest region who are so good, who might be a little bit overlooked, but uh, I mean, maybe guys correct me if I'm wrong, it wouldn't shock me at all if they, um, you know, not only give Hilton Magic a really tough game, but if they win that game. Well, I think that's absolutely true. And as we have seen so many times, including, you know, a 16 beating a one, 
anybody can beat anybody in TPT. And I think particularly if you're motivated, if you understand the opportunity that's in front of you, and if you're using this as a, as a chance to really advance yourself uh, professionally, aside from obviously winning the money, which I think those Illinois BC guys are, every one of them to me strikes me as a guy that's looking to break himself in. Um, you know, going back to what we said in previous podcasts, they match up well from a size perspective. They've got the right sizes at each of the positions, which sounds stupid, but it, you know, it, it really is true. They've got two guys at 6'11". They've got wings that are 6'7", 6'5", 6'6". All their guards are 6'2 or above. So I'm really looking forward to seeing these guys play as well. Not to mention the fact that, you know, and I truly do believe this, that intensity and leadership means such a, a larger amount in a TBT game than it does in virtually any other context. And with Rico Hill as the head coach of that team, I just have a feeling that that team is going to really compete very well. So Hilton Magic better come ready to play and not just talk. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that matchup. Again, that's the last game of the night, 9.40 p.m. live from Columbus, Ohio. You can catch that one on the Watch ESPN app as well. Now, following up that on the next day, all four second-round matchups from Columbus, Ohio, and the Midwest Regional are going to be available on television. You're going to be able to catch the first three on ESPN and the final game of the day on ESPN2. So be sure to have your TVs at the ready, especially if you're a Nielsen viewer and a Nielsen subscriber, because we can use those ratings every bit of what you can provide us. Uh, Josh, your predictions as to who's going to make it through the Midwest Regional. Dan, that first pod is, I, I knew that was coming, so I was looking. That first pod is so tough to predict. Um, I guess I'm going scarlet and gray, but either Bearcat Jam or Matadors is going to give them kind of the fight of a lifetime to get there. Um, so I'm going to go with scarlet and gray, but I, it wouldn't shock me if, if Bearcat Jam or Matadors are there either. Um, I'm going to go with, well, I already picked primetime over Ole's a Bray, so I guess I'm going primetime, winning that second pod. Um, I'll say, you know, Big X, a couple of roster questions. I, I'll say primetime kind of fights through. That third pod, I am going to go with, um, you know what, let's check it up. I'm going to go with Illinois BC in the third pod, getting it done against Hilton Magic and then beating Fort Wayne in a tough kind of, you know, back and forth game. And then I will go with, uh, I kind of dug myself in a hole with this region. Uh, I'm going to go Jackson, Tennessee. There we go. I'm going Scarlet and Gray, Primetime, Illinois, BC, and Jackson, Tennessee. That's my huge, four. Huge amount of upsets there for you, uh, Jake. What do you think? <laughs> Josh, I respect your contrarian opinions, but they are ridiculous. I will go with Scarlet and Gray in the first pod. I will take always a Brave, uh, edging out Big X to win that second group. We'll take the Hilton Magic Legends in the third one. I'm impressed with the roster they built. If they get all the guys to show, they're going to be in good shape, and apparently it seems like they're going to. So I'm excited to see how that team comes together. I know there's going to be a large contingent of Iowa State fans based in Columbus who will be there cheering them on, and I will take Team Fredette as well. So we're going one, two, three, five, Dan. All right. I, I, I'm i always reluctant to give predictions because I, I really don't want to root for anybody, but I like Scarlet and Gray, always a brave, Fort Wayne champs, and Fredette. So close to chalk, but we'll see what happens. Again, these games take place live from Columbus, Ohio at Capital University. Tickets are available, but in limited supply, so be sure to get yours early. Games can be caught mainly on ESPN, on the network. It's going to be fantastic to see. Guys, we'll be back later this week with a preview of the Northeast Regional. That one should be fun coming from Brooklyn. So thanks again, guys. I appreciate your time. Fans, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to tell your friends and family.